right, good morning, church. Welcome to worship at Woodside Romeo. My name is C.T. Eldridge, one of the pastors here, associate pastor and pastor for student ministry. It's a joy to share with you from God's Word as we get started. Um, I do want to encourage you, though, if you have a Bible, Exodus chapter 20 uh, is where we're going to be, verses 8 through 11. We're continuing in our series on the Ten Commandments. We're on the Fourth Commandment related to keeping the Sabbath, and so uh, excited to dive deep into the significance of all that God has for us in that. Um, Before we get into it, though, I want to encourage you, if you are a high schooler, any Romeo High students who've woken up yet from uh, the late homecoming night last night, uh, still sleeping. Oh, Annalise is here, and she was at the dance. I saw, I saw pictures on Facebook. Uh, so great. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't be here if I was you guys when I was in high school. Um, so, so no judgment. Um, but we do have a high school fall retreat coming up in a couple weeks. Um, and if you know a high schooler or you are a high schooler, uh, encourage the high schoolers you know. If you're a high schooler, we'd love to have you. Um, we're going to go right outside of Cadillac, Michigan, um, to Timberwolf, Lake Camp. It's a beautiful property, and uh, we have a great time together worshiping the Lord, hearing from His Word. Small groups time are really powerful, and just get to enjoy uh, the fall before it fades uh, away. Um, but if, you're, if you've never been a part of Wake, our high school ministry on Wednesday nights, or the high schooler you know, maybe didn't even connected at church at all, um, still feel free to encourage them every year, and I think even this year I know already, We have students who are signed up who've never been on Wednesday night before. It's actually a really good chance to get plugged in because it's just a full weekend of concentrated time together and uh, really get a chance to build some relationships super fast over that weekend. So information is at the table in the lobby or simply woodsidebible.org slash fall retreat. Woodsidebible.org slash fall retreat. All right, let's get going. Exodus chapter 20. Verses 8 through 11 is uh, where I'll read for us this morning as we get into the fourth commandment. So it's in these verses that the Holy Spirit writes. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On the seventh day you shall not do any work, You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Romeo Lions Club... The North Macomb Sportsman Club, the University of Michigan Alumni Association, and the last one I came up with was the Romeo High Key Club. I heard about that one this week. These are just a sample of some of the organizations that exist within our community. And we could name dozens, if not hundreds more of them. We could add to that list. And each one of these clubs and associations, they each one have their own identity. Each group is known by certain practices. They're recognized by certain symbols or logos. So, for instance, the local chapter of the U of M Alumni Association, they have the custom 
of gathering together on Saturday afternoons in order to watch Wolverine football together. And they mark themselves, right? They mark themselves with maize and blue, these distinct colors and logos whereby they identify themselves. And we could go through any number of local clubs, organizations, societies, associations. For each one of them, there are certain practices, certain symbols that mark them, that distinguish them as a group. But what about Woodside Bible Church Romeo? How will we be known as God's people? And what will mark us? as those who belong to the living God? Well, there are many ways that we could answer this question, but today's text gives us at least one answer as to how God's people were in the Old Testament to identify themselves with Him. It was a certain practice to distinguish them as God's people, and it was this, to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Sabbath keeping was a primary custom God's people were to fulfill in order to mark themselves as those who belong to God. So look with me at Exodus chapter uh, 31. Uh, This is, of course, much later in the book of Exodus, but it's helpful to look at Exodus chapter 31 because in these verses, God expands on the significance of of the Sabbath. So Exodus chapter 31 verse 13, God says this to Moses. Exodus 31 verse 13. God says, "Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for the Sabbath is a sign between me and you that throughout your generations you may know that I the Lord sanctify you." And then in verse 16, a little later, the Lord says, Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. So the Lord tells the people that the Sabbath day is a sign. It's a sign that signifies that God has sanctified Israel. He has set Israel apart as a people for Himself. Of all the peoples in the world, the Lord sanctified, the Lord set apart Israel for relationship with Himself, and the people signify that special relationship by practicing the Sabbath. And so similarly in verse 16, God says that the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant relationship. The Sabbath represents the unique bond between God and Israel. And so in this way, Sabbath-keeping is a lot like wearing a wedding ring. So the wedding ring that I gave to my wife, that ring is a sign of our covenant relationship. That ring signifies that Meg and I have a unique and exclusive bond that neither of us has with anybody else. That ring is a sign to other men, stay away, right? She belongs to me. So let's not let this illustration break down by the fact that I don't wear a wedding ring, okay? Um, It simply has to do not with the fact that I haven't kept my covenant vows, but that I'm fidgety and that I've lost 
two of them. Um, so, so somebody came up to me after the last service and said, hey, you know, I found on Amazon these silicone wedding rings for like five bucks. You can get a pack of them. And if they break, <laughs> it's like if they break or if you lose it, it's like no second thought. He said, you know, they're super cheap. So I hope that doesn't mean I'm super cheap. I don't know. This illustration is destroyed now. But Meg wears her wedding ring very faithfully, and she hasn't lost it, which blows my mind. But, um, well, as it is for wedding rings, so it is for Israel and keeping the weekly Sabbath. It was God's appointed way for them to signify that they belonged to Him. As a group, the Sabbath was how they were known. It was how they were marked as God's covenant people. And so let's press deeper into what it means to practice the Sabbath. We're going to ask, what is the Sabbath? How do you keep the Sabbath? And why the Sabbath? We're going to press deeper into the significance of it here. And starting us off, what is the Sabbath? Well, another way to say it is God was calling the people to set apart the Sabbath. Set apart the Sabbath. That's what he means by remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, right? In other words, the Sabbath is to be treated as a holy day. And this is where we get the term holiday. Holidays are holy days. Holidays are set apart from the rest of the day. The days. These days are holy. They're sanctified. They're set apart from the rest. So think of the most average day that you can possibly think of. Just imagine the entire calendar year in front of you. The most average day of all 365. Well, for me, I came up with June 16th. Just a totally random day. Nothing particularly unique about it. It's kind of stuck between Memorial Day and July 4th, lost somewhere in between there. June 16th. But December 25th, October 31st, July 4th, those are holidays. Those are holy days for our culture. Those are days we set aside for particular practices and customs. They're not normal days. Just like Saturday afternoons in the fall aren't normal Saturday afternoons if you're a U of M fan. You set them aside, right? And that's what the Lord says should be the case for Israel and keeping the Sabbath. The Sabbath should be a different day. It should be set apart from the rest. Now, this leads to another obvious question, how? How is the Sabbath to be set apart from the rest? How is it to be different? Well, July 4th is different because we have this strange and perhaps dangerous practice of shooting fire into the sky. Um, October 31st is different because we have this unique practice of dressing up like Power Rangers and Disney princesses and clowns or whatever. December 25th is different because we have this practice of giving gifts to each other and visiting our in-laws, which can be really different depending on who your in-laws are. But how is the Sabbath to be different? Practically speaking, how is the Sabbath to be set apart from the rest of the days? Well, as we'll see, the Lord tells us to set apart the Sabbath by practicing a pattern of work and then rest. That's how to set apart the Sabbath, by practicing a pattern of work and then rest. 
So look again at verses 9 and 10. The Lord says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On the seventh day you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. So this is how... The Sabbath day is to be practiced. This is how it is to be set aside as holy. For six days the people were to work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord. And on that day, work is to cease. It is to end. It is to be completed. And for one whole day, the people were to rest from their normal labors that they were carrying out the other six days of the week. And not only were they to rest from their work, but they were also commanded to allow everyone in their home and everyone in their employment to rest from their work as well. So you notice that the Lord says, you, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, even your livestock and the sojourner or immigrant who is within your gates, none of them are to work. You are to practice the Sabbath and so is your family and so is everyone you employ. This practice, six days of work and one day of rest, this practice was a covenant sign between God and His people. So U of M fans wear maize and blue. My wife wears a wedding ring. Israel practiced the Sabbath day. They worked for six and then set apart the Sabbath day for rest. Now, another important question and perhaps the most important question is why? Why this practice? Why this sign? Every group has their practices and signs, but why did God give His people this sign and this practice? And verse 11, that's exactly what we see God explain next. It's because it was God's design for rest. Israel was to follow God's design for rest. So look again at verse 11. God says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So in verse 11, God draws our attention to his work, to his work in creation. And he specifically references the creation week as it's laid out in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, the opening chapters of the Bible. And so I want us to get a sneak peek at the end of the creation week as it's laid out in Genesis 1 and 2. So look here at Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. That's the last verse of that chapter. And then into chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Uh, Moses writes in those verses, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, everything that he had made was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So these verses describe the tail end of the creation week. And these words are emphatic that everything that had to be made was made. The heavens and the earth and all their hosts were finished. God finished his work 
that he had done. Another way we could translate these verses is to say that God had perfected his creation. He had brought it to completion, and it was very good. Our world, as God originally created it, was perfected. It was free from the chaotic and disordering effects of sin. And so, the first humans were free from shame. They were free from fear and anxiety. In other words, you could say that they lived in this perpetual state of Sabbath. They rested in the truth of God's goodness. They were at peace, at peace with themselves, at peace with their neighbors, and at peace with God. However, as the story of God continues, it takes a tragic turn. In Genesis chapter 3, our first parents rebel against the Creator God. They disobey His Word. They mistrust His promises, and things will never be the same. All of a sudden, paradise is lost. Peace is lost. That perpetual rest and safety is lost. Adam and Eve are cast out of the garden into a place where the ground is cursed and hard, and they will now eat their bread by the sweat of their brow. In other words, things are not as they should be. Creation is broken. Life is hard. Peace and rest for our souls is elusive. It's hard to hang on to. And I'm thankful for so much in my life, so many good things to recount. But as I scan the landscape of all the people and all the experiences of my life, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of longing. There's a lot of unrest. Relationships that are falling apart and bodies that are falling apart. Financial needs that aren't being met, emotional needs that aren't being met, people stuck in passivity, people stuck in shame and self-hatred, addiction, depression, anxiety, disease. For all these general descriptions, there are names, I could say, and there are faces that I see. And then there's the brokenness in my own soul, not to mention, and the sin in my own life. Things are not as they should be. The wholeness we were made for, the peace and rest we were made for is gone because of sin. But as the story of the Bible continues, God begins a new work. And this work is not one of creation, but it's a work of recreation. It's a work of redeeming and renewing His broken world. And God's plan was to work through a certain people the nation of Israel. He was going to work through Israel in order to bring about this renewal and redemption for the world. And by Exodus chapter 20, we're 70 chapters into the Bible, by Exodus chapter 20, where we're at today, God had taken many steps in forming and shaping His people. And one of the ways He leads them is to share with them this pattern of working for six days and then resting on the seventh, just like He did. And creation. And so every seven days, the Israelites were reminded of God's finished work of creation. Every seven days, they were reminded of how the world was meant to be. 
Every seven days, the Israelites were reminded of the rest and peace that we were created for. Every seven days, they got the chance to rest from their work on the cursed ground, and they got a chance to rest and to taste the peace and wholeness that we were made for. This weekly practice of Sabbath rest is what they were known for. The Sabbath rest is what marked them as a people. And the Sabbath rest was also their destiny. You see, God didn't just give the people the Sabbath in order to remind them of what had been lost. He also gave them the Sabbath in order to remind them of the Sabbath rest He was leading them toward. Initially, that this rest was supposed to happen in the promised land, in the land of Canaan. Moses and then Joshua led the people out of Egypt into the promised land, and in this land they were to have a rest from their enemies on every side. And that's exactly how the book of Joshua ends. The nation of Israel is in the promised land, and it says they had rest from their enemies on every side. And then the book of Judges happened. And holy moly, things fall apart all over again. But God then, in response, established the monarchy, and He built the temple. He put David on the throne, and He put the temple in Jerusalem, and there was supposed to be rest, peace, and safety for God's people there. But David fell into adultery, the kingdom was divided, And God's people were exiled out of the promised land into Babylon. The temple was overthrown. No rest, no peace once more. But despite the constant failures of God's people, despite how determined we've been to make our world as restless as possible, God has been equally constant in showing us grace. And eventually, the story of the Bible reaches its climax when God Himself shows up in the flesh, in His Son, the Lord Jesus, the Prince of Peace. And as He was ministering one time, Jesus said this to the crowds. This is in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus said to the crowds, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So you see, the practice of keeping the Sabbath is ultimately fulfilled in Christ Jesus. He gives us true rest. He restores peace in our lives and peace in our world. So we don't ultimately obey the fourth commandment by following God's design for rest through this weekly pattern of six days and seven. Ultimately, we obey the fourth commandment by following Jesus, by following Him who comforts us in our restlessness by following Him who is bringing heaven to earth and is renewing the world as God meant it to be. And did Jesus give us a sign whereby we would be known as His people? Did Jesus give us a sign whereby we would be marked as His people? 
Yes, he did. On the night of his betrayal and arrest, Jesus was eating the Passover meal with his disciples. And Matthew tells us this in Matthew 26. Now, as the disciples were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke the bread and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this bread is my body. And Jesus took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave the cup to the disciples, saying, Drink of the cup, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So in a similar way that God gave Israel in the Old Testament the covenant sign of Sabbath keeping, Jesus gave his disciples the covenant sign of communion or the Lord's Supper. This meal marks us as those who belong to Jesus. This meal marks us as those who trust in Jesus. And specifically what we trust about him is that in his death, When his body was broken and when his blood was shed, in his death, he took on all the curse of sin that we deserved. All the chaotic, disorderly, restless misery that we've brought into the world, he took it on himself so that we might experience new life, so that we might experience true rest and lasting peace. And so as we begin to prepare to receive the bread and the cup this morning, this text forces us to ask us this question. Are you ready to be identified with God's people? Are you ready to be marked by the cross the broken body and the shed blood? Are you ready to come to Jesus and find rest for your souls? If so, if that's you, then this meal is for you. Take, eat, drink, and be glad in the Lord. But if that's not you, if you're still riding the fence as it regards this Jesus thing, or if you're not yet all in, committed to him, and still figuring things out, I encourage you to let the plate and cup pass. We're so glad you're here. We're grateful to get to know you and for you to get to know us and for you to learn. Thank you for joining us this morning. But I encourage you in these moments as you watch the rest of us, I encourage you to meditate on this question. Where will you find peace for your soul? Where will you find true rest for yourself because you're not going to stop looking for it you're not going to stop longing for it it's what we were made for and it's been lost you're going to keep looking where are you going to find it as followers of Jesus we are convinced that we have found him who is our rest and this morning he calls you come Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, all who are restless and anxious. Come to me, all who are tired of sin and its empty promises. Come to me, and I will give you rest for your souls. So as the ushers come forward and begin distributing the bread and the cup, hang on to these things, and we'll all take part in them together. And as you hang on to them in these moments of silence, Hear the voice of Jesus calling you, come, come and find rest in him.